everyone. Welcome to Jubilee's Men's Inheritance Gathering. Uh, we're here to worship the Lord this morning. So I've chosen a song out of Isaiah chapter 60 this morning to start. It, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And uh, you'll find in the song that it says, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. I think a lot of us are experiencing that today. But it also says that the Lord will arise and he will, his glory will shine upon each one of us. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the glory. And, and so as we worship the Lord, just go ahead and let your heart enter into his presence. Here we go. Arise, shine, for your light has come. 
shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people but the Lord will arise over you and his glory shall be seen upon you arise arise shine for your light and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The nation shall come to your light. And brightness of your rising lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together they come to you your son shall come from afar your daughter shall be nursed your side then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen on you The message is arise, because it doesn't matter if darkness is covering the earth. The East Coast is, is experiencing that right now in a tangible way, that darkness is covering the East Coast. But the Lord will arise over you individually. He will arise over us, and his glory will be seen upon us. That means people will be looking in the darkness, they'll be looking for light. 
and the light will be seen on you and on you and on you on each of us that's that's where the glory is you know so if you're looking for the glory look inside because the kingdom of God is in you hallelujah and he wants to come out So take this blessing of this next song, take it personally, and just take it for yourself and your family. Sing it out loud. Let your spirit rejoice in the promise of God. This is from Numbers and Deuteronomy.
and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 he is for you
promise. We agree with the inheritance we have in Christ. We agree with your glory shining up, rising. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We agree with your testimony, Father, of your Son and the eternal life that we have been given in the Son. We agree with you and what you have accomplished. We approach you, Father, as sons. We rejoice in what is accomplished in the Son. We praise you. We praise you for the expansion of your kingdom, for the activation of your body and liberation of your people in every way. Praise you. Praise you. We praise you. We praise you. You are able to perform your promise. You are able, God. We praise you. We glorify you. We are convinced. We are persuaded. You are able to perform your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's thank God for the worship. This was just thank you. Bless you guys. Bless you. I didn't know you played drums, Bill. Blessings. He did. Amen. He did a good job. Good job. In, in and out of season. Take a moment. Greet one another. Welcome each other. Hi, everyone online. Uh, those who join us. Jesus has brought us together for men, inheritance. Our inheritance is in Christ, and we are activating and encouraging everyone to step into that inheritance. It's already been predetermined. You can't lose it. You can't uh, mess it up because it's in heaven reserved for us in Christ, 
incorruptible, undefiled, does not pass away. So wherever we are, today's the day we're being brought back into centered trust, reliance, and belief in Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, if you, I want to give you a quick and uh, exciting piece of news. A uh, friend of mine, good friend of mine, Avi Mizraki, Israeli pastor in Tel Aviv, is here in the United States, and he'll be joining us for service and being, giving us the message this Sunday, tomorrow. Yeah. So, Avi Mizraki is a pastor in Tel Aviv. He has a ex- ministry of prayer. Been there many times. We've ministered many times with him. He has uh, food distribution. He also does a um, reaching out to the to the homeless, the, the uh, and the widows. He's just all over Tel Aviv, and he's been there for thirty some years. And he carries just a real. He's he's homegrown. He's Israeli homegrown carrying the message of having met the Messiah, and he's just, in, you'll love him. You're going to love him. Last time he was with us was 2006, so that tells you how far back our relationship goes, and we've been in his church many times, His and uh, believe it's going to be a sovereign moment, especially after we've prayed for Israel in such an, in, an extensive way for the last 21 days before Pentecost. So, Plan on it. Let somebody know. It just happened. It, I mean, it, it was set in motion, but got, got, set, got put on the side, and we forgot about it all, and then just found out suddenly that, oh, yeah, we are hosting him. So it's a God set up, and, but we need to get the word out. If you, if you think of anybody who loves Israel, wants to hear about what God's doing right there in the land, this is a great Sunday to come and get, get friends to come. Okay? All right, bless you. I got to ask Mike. Share to come up and uh, share a testimony. He was, we were talking the other day, and he feels a, a charge, and I felt like, yeah, please share that. We need to hear that. So come on up, Mike. Thanks. So good to see you all. Good morning. Everyone awake? <laughs> all right. Um, man, I just love that. That song that y'all were playing at the end, um, and uh, as we were praying, I, I just felt like uh, Numbers 7 came to mind where it says, uh, after the blessing, uh, the Lord said, I will put my name upon your children, and I will bless them. And so I just, um, you know, as men, can we just all stand up and just bless our children and just... Um, um, I believe in my heart that this is the season of the return of the prodigals. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if we can't stand up as men for our children, you know, what can we stand up for? And so um, everyone just kind of open your hands up like you're receiving from the Holy Spirit, you know, and just say, yeah, say, Holy Spirit, I am precious to you. My children are precious to you. In Jesus' name, put your name upon them and bless them. Jesus, I put a hedge around them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Hallelujah. No attack of the enemy will succeed. <laughs> the door is closed to the enemy. <laughs> he has no access to my children. <laughs> and I declare <laughs> that in this season, <laughs> my children <laughs> will come to know you in a brand new earth-shaking way. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, all right, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have to believe that, we have to believe that as men. We really do. We have to believe that our prayers carry authority. We do. We have to, like, rise up. Because the revival that's coming, and it is coming, is coming to the family. It's coming to the family. There's a revival in the family that is happening. I look all around, and I've, I've gotten to know a lot of you. All of us have a Job story. <laughs> and uh, hallelujah. <laughs> because without the Job story, he can't work that Leviathan out of our heart. He can't work that pride out of our heart. So thank you, Lord, for that Job story. But... On the opposite side of that, there's a resurrection. Amen? Yeah, yeah. A lot of you are contending for your children. A lot of you are contending that God would bring them back in. I believe that this is the season that that happens. I believe that is the season it happens. And so we need to, as men, go to the Lord and say, it is happening now. It's happening now. When you come to the Lord in faith, you say, I am coming to you, and it's happening now. My children are going to have your name put upon them. Your name is on them. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit in the next couple minutes because i only got a short time, but I want to talk about um, where our authority comes from as men. And... Um, I do a lot of deliverance prayers. I'm sure a lot of us have seen deliverance prayers. And I remember, I, I'm reminded of a story of a young boy who was struggling with addiction. And he hadn't told his parents he was struggling with drugs. And he also, uh, he, he had so much shame on his heart because of this sin that was in his life. And I remember I was, um, I was, I was, just sitting in on this deliverance, and there was a, a gentleman mentor of mine who was praying over him, and then he turns to the father who was there after the son had confessed his sin and confessed, you know, was, I'm going to say it, and he said, I want you to pray for him because, and this was a guy who was walking in incredible authority, incredible ministry, incredible uh, footprint and his hand had reached the nations and he said I want you to pray for him because my prayers do not carry the authority that God gave you as his father we have to believe that as men we have to believe that when we go into the secret place when we go and we contend for our children we are bringing a God-given right over them a God-given right to usher them into the kingdom of heaven, to protect them, to provide, and to profess them before the Father. We have to believe that. And some of you, 
I believe have lost hope in that, and I believe this is the season God wants to restore hope for that. Restore hope for that. I got a vision the other day. It was actually at the Pentecost party, and I saw a bunch of campfires all along the parking lot, and I, as I was looking out, I saw the embers were getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer, but it was smoking. Like, if you can imagine like a campfire, you go to the campfire, it's really bright, and then all of a sudden it gets to that smoky part where it's just smoke coming up. And I asked the Lord, Lord, what, what, what are you trying to speak to me right now? And he's saying, <clears throat> he's saying, they need to be activated in my gospel. They need to be activated in my gospel. Now, I remember, I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 1, where Paul, he says to the Galatians, and they were, they were struggling of going back in the law. And he says, if an angel or an elder comes to you with a different gospel, you are to reject that person as accursed. And I look at the American church, and we tend to cling on to one form of the gospel, or another. We tend to like get in one camp or the other. And I believe this is the season where we get fully activated in the gospel. And this isn't just for the unbeliever, it's for the believer as well. Because in Romans chapter 116, it says, I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And that word salvation is a Greek word, and one of the definitions of it actually means to preserve, almost like salt that is going on, you know, some food that needs to be preserved. And I started to think about this, and the Lord began to show me, is like, that's not just for the unbeliever. That's for the believer. That's for the believer. And, I, and, I, and the Lord... Lord's been showing me this because the past two weeks we were doing outreach up till Pentecost and we were seeing so many people um, get touched but the one person who was being touched the most was me. I was being touched the most because he was making it alive in me again and, and I just I, I started to weep because I was like Lord how could I go so deep with you? We can go so deep with the word but if we're going so deep that it doesn't produce a hunger for the lost, if it doesn't produce a hunger to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind, to release the prisoners from the dungeon, we're missing it. We're missing it. As men, we're missing it. And so I want to uh, humbly challenge us, if I may, um, to get activated in the gospel the full gospel, the gospel of repentance, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of healing the sick and casting out demons, the full gospel, because he said in Mark chapter 16, he said, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, you will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, you will tread on snakes and scorpions, you will take poison in, and you will not die. And the reason we're not doing these things either is because the embers have gotten so low, or because we don't really believe it. And I, I, I was looking at myself and as I was going out for two weeks every single day, and sometimes it was just me. And I was like, do I actually believe that there's power in this gospel that I, that I have, that I hold in my heart? And I was like questioning it. And I was like thinking, I don't know. But you know what? Every single time 
I came to a person and I shared the gospel with them, whether it was they needed prayer for healing, whether it was they needed deliverance, whether they needed to hear the salvation message because some water, some plant, you know, we all different roles. Every single time, the Lord gave me favor with that person. Every single time. And the Lord began to show me there's three ways in which a person continues to keep that ember in their heart burning. And uh, this is just my conviction, so take it as you will. Uh, praying in the Spirit, uh, meditating in the Word of God, and being activated in the gospel. If we are not being activated in the gospel, if you, if you have gone your whole life and you've gone so deep in the Word, so deep in the Word, but you're timid, when it comes to the Holy Spirit leading you to pray for someone, to go and talk to someone about their faith, men, I'm encouraging you humbly that you're missing it. You're missing it because Jesus was constantly moved by compassion. He was constantly moved by compassion. And I remember a, a preacher told me this, and I'll close it with this, is that, um, um, and we're talking about authority, right? Your authority as men, and my authority, and this is something I'm learning too, so don't, I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm just saying this is something God's showing me, is that your authority doesn't come from screaming the name of Jesus. It doesn't come from praying louder and harder. Your authority comes from your surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. And if you can surrender to the Lord in the secret place, you can surrender to the Lord from avoiding sin. But if you're not surrendered to stepping out, you're not fully surrendered. And some of you have surrendered to God in so many areas of your life, much more than I have, but you're not surrendered, we're, we're not surrendered to the yielding and the obedience of the Holy Spirit when we see someone who needs to know him. And I believe that revival is coming, but revival will only come if we have revival in us. We need revival in our hearts. And so I just want to encourage you with that and, and just say that, you know, revival is coming. But my, I'll know it's coming when every single one of us, including me, can't bear the thought of someone who is lost, someone who is hungry, not receiving something from the Lord. And so I just... Um, I just feel like timidity is something that the Lord is breaking off of, of men in our body, including myself. He's breaking it off. So I'm just going to pray that over uh, all of us. And just, uh, you know, if we all could just stand and just receive from the Holy Spirit. Because I think, I think the Lord wants to impart something. He wants to impart uh, a, a fresh fire in us. So if everyone could just open your hands to receive from the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I just repent right now of, of preaching a different gospel. I repent, Lord God, of keeping your gospel to myself and not sharing it. Lord, you said in your word that as freely as I have given, give to others. And so right now, in the name of Jesus... Everyone open up your hands like you're receiving from the Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, put your fire in every single one of these men. 
in Jesus' name. Equip them and activate them in the power of the Holy Spirit. That when they step out, they carry an authority. They carry a mantle that is for them and their children. Lord God, when they go, demons flee in Jesus' name. When they step out, Lord God, they are bringing the sword of the Holy Spirit with them, Lord Jesus. They are bringing the love of the Father and the conviction in his word. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that this is a season of being reactivated in your gospel, Lord God. That when we step out, Lord God, we are claiming people, lost people for you in Jesus' name. So God, I pray for a quick activation right now to happen in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Mike. Amen. We say amen? amen. Amen. That's very good. That's really good. This is, I really believe, a season of activation, and we're engaged. And in fact, one place men step forward, help us on Wednesday nights. We've just started love feast, eat together, then we pray together and pray for uh, members in our body, activating. This Wednesday, we're going to be touching in the glory of God and the love of God. And right there is one of the things Mike just touched on. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So we'll get stations. People come. You're the ones I would love for to be the, the member ministers of prayer. I just think that one of the ways that first get the, the kingdom of God to activate is with each other. Again, we all... the. the the enemy's plan is always to isolate and, and get us into a place where we're just by ourselves and we don't feel the connection. But the living body, when it matures for the return of Jesus Christ, will be every one of us, all of our stuff is grown up into the head. And from the head, he is releasing his life in abundance and his love, in, and we are releasing that to one another. And so the whole mindset of the church moves from I need something to I want to give you something and the life starts flowing out and we can practice that all through the summer there are people coming that bring friends there are people that are coming that are unsaved that are struggling in deep troubles and struggles and life is coming but that flowing from up into the head and outward is really powerful so thank you Mike I am um, when, he, when Mike was sharing, this scripture was coming up. I'll just start with this in John 17. Uh, he says in his prayer of, of dedication, as he dedicated his life, his ministry now to, to sacrifice and surrender. He said in verse 10, And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Speaking totally out of faith and expectation. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Really, really confer with what God spoke to Mike out of, and, and Wes's song out of Numbers, that God puts his name on us. So when we pray for our children, you just start 
always include in the name of Jesus. They are to go into their future. They are to step into that, come out of that conflict. They are to be healed. They are to be delivered. And we keep them. He kept them. I mean, if you notice Jesus, what did he do? He didn't go around and around and chase people as they were leaving. He didn't say, excuse me, I, 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 are you having trouble eating my body and drinking my blood? Let me rephrase that. He let people run the tangent, but the ones that God the Father gave him, he kept them. And how did he keep them? He kept them through his life of prayer, using the name, and bringing them into the truth that was available, that he could carry parables and explanations. So then he goes on, and he says, but now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So very important that we live in joy. We walk in a life of rejoicing no matter what our circumstances. Again, Wes, thank you for discharging us. It's not about where we are. It's about who, whose we are. And if we are whose God we serve, we can see a ship, that, a ship that's sinking be brought into salvation. We, I says, um, I have excuse me, yes, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but you should keep them from the evil ones. So we start to understand that we're not coming out of this world. We're not of this world but we're not being called to come out of this world but to be kept from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world sanctify them by your truth your word is truth this is Jesus speaking the secret of his life ministry when we started reading the Bible together and last year when we went through the Gospels and we took all of the four Gospels and integrated them into one continuous uh, overlapping Gospel and and 40 days of doing so I was amazed as I began to watch Jesus how he can carried himself in the earth without really anybody's faith except the faith he had with the Father. And I asked the Lord once, thinking I would probably get an answer a few days later, I said, Lord, how could you walk in so much authority? And before I even got the prayer out, he said, I submitted to the Word. I thought of that. He, the Word became flesh. The Word then submitted to the Word. Therefore, he had all the authority because he just, he, he saw things had to yield and submit and surrender to. Sanctification comes through the word, through the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So we are in the same journey that Jesus was sent into. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. So Jesus sanctified himself to the truth. He submitted to the word. He followed the Father. He did so and completed it so that we would continue so. And then I won't read because on Wednesday, I believe we're going to activate verses 20 through 26, the rest of the chapter. Because Jesus' prayer goes on to say, Father, I want him to see my glory. And I want him to be in my glory. And I want him to be see my the love we have. And I want him to be in the love we have. And that's why... I think next, this Wednesday, is, is to activate and come into that prayer of Jesus and experience his glory and his love. So, inheritance is a big, big, big thing with the kingdom. And I woke up this morning remembering Ephesians 1. 
where the prayer, Paul begins to speak of this great place that we've been given, blessings, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, that we've been positioned before God in love, wholly without blame. Then he goes on to say that we're predestined to adoption as sons. And then he even goes on to say in him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches and abundance of his grace. And then he goes on to say the, the goal of all of this is the, the, the mystery of God, the, will of, the mystery of his will is that God is going to gather everything into his son. He's going to sum up all things in Christ, both in heaven and on earth, in Christ. So there's a, if you ever feel like you're trying to get somewhere and it's not working, maybe you're, push, you're trying to get out from where God's trying to pull you in. So he, the summation of the, of the body will be in Christ. And then he expands that, and he says, and in him we have an inheritance. And it says, in Christ we have an inheritance have, being given to us by God the Father before time began, predestined according to his purpose to which he works in his counsel. So, so this inheritance that we have been given was given to us in Christ by the Father before time began. It's, it's the place we hold in the body. It's the, it's the member, living member that we have been born into. We were not born into the body, and then God figures out what we were to do. When we were born again, we came into both a sonship with purpose and an inheritance, something so beyond the grasp of it. Paul gets on, go, finishes the chapter by saying, I'm asking God to give every one of us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding could be enlightened. And then he, he reiterates in prayer what he just declared in Revelation. I want the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened. We can know what is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling? So God has a hope in his calling us. Not just do we have a hope in him calling us. He has a hope. In, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us? So he has an inheritance in us. And he wants us to understand the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe and that's the resurrection power that demonstrated in Jesus and the ascension and where he sits in exaltation. And that is, we are his, he is the head, we're the body, the fullness of him, and he fills all in all. So, um, let me, yesterday, Bible reading is in Deuteronomy 32. And in that chapter, something absolutely powerful happened for me I'm just I'm just so thankful man did you know we are reading the Bible today together aloud because of you because God said to me back in January last year not this year last year when he, he declared to us it was time to praise him for his mercy and to hold praise because as we were to spend two years praising him when we couldn't see what he was doing, that if we held that place of praise, we would be in Jeremiah, we, we would be in Second Chronicles 20, 24, which is when they came and saw the devastation that God had brought upon the enemies of Israel. 
that we would see what God was doing as we were praising him without being able to see. And so he made it really strong to me. You've got to praise me. I do not want anything but praise to who I am, what I'm doing, and declare and agree. And no sooner did we say, let's do this as a church, the Lord said in that first week of January, he said, you've got to give my men something to praise me with. And I knew immediately what book of praise is better than the book of Psalms, right? The book of Psalms is the book of praise. It'll take, and so we, we committed to do five Psalms a day for 30 days, which gets 150 Psalms done in one month. So you can actually do this book of Psalms once a month. I've been doing that since, I, since we did that. I'm on the 18th go around now. Why? Because immediately I found my courage returned, Mike was talking about. I found my uh, connectivity to God in uh, assurance. I found that I could speak to the Lord in my honest condition, expecting his intervention. I learned of his ways. I've watched his heart. I began to just come alive. So we did that. We did it for a month, if you remember. So January for a month. Then we did it for another month again. And then we did the gospel, the compilation of the gospels, where we took four gospels and layered them on top of each other and did that for 40 days. We, that brought us right up to Easter. All of these are sovereign. Nobody could have planned that. So after we finished that, we, we embarked on the journey through uh, the book of Acts, through Revelation. And then when we had finished that, we were about at the end of the year. It was amazing. So this year, we launched on a much more ambitious journey. We start, we, we're, we are doing the Gospels three times, and we're doing the entire Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi one time. And... I continue and any, to be amazed that every time I'm in the day's reading, I'm going, God, wow, are you, how did you know I would want to, I would be right here to hear this truth? And besides the idea that there was any genius of man in it, which there certainly wasn't, it's just math. We just put it together in a mathematical equation. Uh, a few times we might grab a, for a special occasion like Easter or, or Pentecost, We'll put in another verse that's right on that, or another chapter. And, and it's really simple. Everything is Jesus. He is the Word. He was made flesh. Everything from Genesis to Revelation brings us to Jesus Christ. And everything about Jesus Christ is seen in the man and is now demonstrated in his exaltation. So we are being challenged from, through the journey of the Scriptures which it says in Romans 15, it says there's a comfort, there's a patience and comfort that comes out of Scripture. And there's a patience, and God is the God of patience and comfort. And so when we submit into those simple truths, next thing you know, we begin to have one mind, one mouth, and we begin to glorify God, and we can receive one another into the glory of God. Because we're seeing, we're outside of the, 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 the context of where we are in life and culture and current events. We are living in eternal truth. And Deuteronomy 32, which was God's, the song of Moses. We did it yesterday. Um, 
he, he says of uh, verse, let me see. I'm just going to do the simplest part. It's the, the, the whole Bible just talks about it. Uh, the Lord's portion, it says in verse, uh, verse 7, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders, and they will tell you. When Most High divided the inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, and Jacob is the place of inheritance. So he gave Israel an inheritance, as Israel is his inheritance. He's given us an inheritance in Christ, as we are his inheritance in Christ. So you, the activation that starts with this, we have to agree with that. We have to begin to submit back to that truth. We have to, that's why Jesus made it very clear. Father, I'm not asking you to get them out of the world. I want you to keep them from the evil one. They need to be sanctified in truth. Your word is truth. They need to submit to my word. They need to read my word. They need to live in my word. They need to come. And beloved men, if you're not in it, you got to start today. You just really have to get back in the Bible. Five chapters a day. It's not too much for most. All of you guys are smart. If you can't do five, do two. Do the gospel and the epistle. The first two of the Bible reading. If you've got a better Bible reading program, do it. I'm all good with it. But if you're not reading the Bible, you are losing your ground. I've lost my ground many times over life. And every time I've lost my ground is because I quit reading the Bible. I quit submitting to the Bible. And when you read the Bible without picking and choosing your favorite passages, which is what revolutionized my life, I won't stop doing this. If I'm the only person reading the Bible, Cammie and I will say, if we're the only people doing it, it's, it's worth it. I'll take the time to write about what we're reading. I'll do it because it's changing my life. Last year, beginning of this year, Last year, God began to speak to me about idolatry. He's been talking to me that for a long time. But now that I've been in Ezekiel and I was in Jeremiah, I can recognize that with God, he said, number two commandment, don't make anything and say it's me. Don't build anything with your hands and say it'll save you. Don't do any graven image and say this is who I look like because I am jealous and you'll drive me away from you. So Ezekiel is like intense. And so I'm, I'm in a constant posture before the Father. Father, I just forgive me. I've been an idolater all my life. I'm always looking to something in addition to you to do what I thought in case you didn't. Idolatry is rooted in bitterness in the sense that God is no longer with you, that you can't see his hand, so you're going to do something. It's in Israel's time, you got Abraham or Moses 40 days in the, up in the cloud, six days plus before he was invited in. So he's up there on the mountain that's burning, and they don't know how to have a God that you can't see with the largeness of what he's doing. So they go to Aaron and say, we need a God we can see. Make us a, a, a visible representation of what God is. And so they got the calf, and you know what happened there. So... 
this journey of, out of idolatry. Idolatry is the perfect plan for everyone because you can put, make a God in your own image to do the way you want it done and keep it in a cupboard and pull it out when you need it. And that was the men, mindset. And so I have been just repenting and just saying, Lord, I, idolatry is seen in stubbornness, strong opinions. It's seen in uh, willfulness. So there's, I just keep going, Lord, I, I am just grateful for what you're bringing forth. I can ex agree with your word with, even when I can't see it. I can allow your spirit to take possession of the things that you want to acquire for yourself through your truth. And it's, it's really been crazy liberation. But I wouldn't be on the level of deliverance from idolatry had I not been reading Jeremiah and Isaiah, and now in Ezekiel. So take advantage of this book. It costs more people than we'll ever know to their life for us to have this book. And, and to not be uh, uh, just, that's what your hour of prayer is for. Hour of prayer is to submit to the, in the spirit and into truth. So the first man that began a journey of faith was Abraham. And when Jer Jeremiah, Abraham, uh, came out of Egypt. Genesis 20, 12 is where we begin the story. It takes us all to about chapter 23 where he is offering his son Isaac as a sacrifice and then thereby setting the, the promise to the seed Jesus that he would now possess the gates of his enemies. But in Genesis 15, when he gets out of Egypt and he separates from Lot. Lot was his nephew. He was a tag along. He wanted the blessings but not, wouldn't pay the price didn't have his own relationship. He just wanted to have the benefits of being associated with Abraham. And now, now the benefits have gotten them to both so large that they have to separate. Lot chooses the best. He goes after Sodom and Gomorrah because at the time it was, it was like the Garden of Eden. So he, he chose prosperity over pilgrimage. Abraham now has been given this simple word. Um, chapter 13, it says... Uh, Verse 11, it's 13, 11. And Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. John, this is uh, Genesis 13, 11. And uh, journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Are things that separation have to happen in order to get to the next place? And we try to sometimes keep everything collected together in the way we had it, we knew it before. And Lot one day would become even had to be further separated for Abram to Abraham to come into full inheritance. But at this time, it was a huge moment, huge moment. And so Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and, the plain, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So that's not a good choice. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, and I want to remind us, this is why really felt God wanted us to come to this place again before we leave because if we don't if we don't return to this place we lose we, we lose the reason why we started in the first place and we can't know where we're headed but when Lord said to Abram after Lot separated he says lift up your eyes lift your eyes now and see lift your eyes now and see and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, westward. Now, 
How many in, in this room have been a, a believer for more than five years? How many for more than 10 years? How many more than 15 years? 20 years? 30 years? 40 years? 45 years? 50 years? I'll keep going till I know for uh, 60 years. Seven, 65 years. One more? 70? Dan, I knew I'd keep Dan going. <laughs> 90 years in the kingdom, 20 years active service to the Lord for sure. Thank you. Thank you for holding your place. But to Dan and to all of us, whether you were born again five days, five months, five years, 50 years, where God activates promise is where inheritances are given. And a promise made is an inheritance given. If we neglect the promise, we neglect the inheritance. We lose the reason for the pursuit. And therefore, we surrender to the battle. And we say, there's nothing better for me than just to find a compromised position of life and finish it there. Like David, he would have never been king of Israel if he had had his way because of discouragement. Even though he was heroic in all of his actions, he still became, like all of us, we get tired. So today, we want to start here, or return here. And I believe before we leave in the next 20 minutes, God wants to activate the beginning of the journey. Because that's when God calls you, he, when he saves us, he calls us. Because our calling is in Christ before we were saved. So there's no, now that you're saved, give me a few days to figure out what I'm going to do with you. No, you, were, you said yes, I said yes to Jesus Christ being the provision of salvation. And in Jesus Christ, I received an inheritance. I received a purpose I received sonship with purpose, a calling. I was designated by, this, by God the Father before time began in Christ, so it activated by the Spirit, whether I realized it or not, who I was going to be in the body of Christ, my heart, my movement, my motivation, who, the way I was going to, and the journey I'd have to live to find out who I am. So Abraham is given the full promise, the whole enchilada, in the, this one moment. Maybe he's two years into the promised land and he's given this full promise. He says, now see it, see it. So today, be, while you go through the rest of the day, chores, whatever you've got to do, think about your conversion. Return to the remem memory of saying yes to the Lord and those encounters. I'm fully convinced that when God saves a man, he speaks to a man, and that those first things he says are probably more powerful and accurate than a lot of things we'll hear later, like he did for uh, Saul of Tarsus. He immediately didn't just save him, he, and he brought him into inheritance and to call in and purpose. So he says, see it, see it. So think about, what did I see? What was I seeing when I got saved? What was I seeing? What was God showing me? What was he promising me? Just... Just let it, let it return. That's the power of the imagination to return to see again the truth that we saw once before. And no matter where we are today, it's not finished. And if we are, and we'll follow that in a moment. So then he says, then he said to him, 
at, um, verse 16, whatever you see. Now he says, and I will, uh, I will give you the land to your descendants forever, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that I, man could number the dust of the earth. Your descendants also could be numbered. All of Abraham's life are included in those few verses, those few declarations. And he's going, wow. Then the Lord says something really powerful, which we, we were called to it. I, I didn't say anything to Wes. Wes didn't ask me what I was going to talk about. And he says, arise. He didn't say sit. He said, arise. And walk in the land through its length and width, for I give it to you. The land is his inheritance by promise. He's supposed to walk through the land. I think what happens in life, I've sure happened in my life, I've had to walk through my promise. I didn't just get to apprehend it. I had to walk through it. I had to walk through my own efforts, my own failures. I had to walk through betrayals, shortcomings. I had to walk through the land, its length, its width. Just like we have to look eastward, westward, northward, southward. Look, see, now arise and walk. And Abram did that. It was powerful. He, what, it, what it says next verse, then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees in Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So Abram saw, which we can see and are to see. There's not one of us in this room, if we'll take the time with the Bible and the Spirit, cannot see again what God said to us. And then Abram arose and he walked. And there's not any of us that cannot return to the journey that started this and continue in faith with God in fellowship to where we are currently today. And we will see in that journey all of what Abram saw in his life. We will see failures, bad decisions. We will see times of great courage, sacrifice. We will see things that sabotaged our hope put us into kind of a slowdown or shutdown. We will see times of deliverance. We will see times that we were accusing God that he was not faithful when it was us who were uh, off on our own tangents and idolaters. We'll, we'll see it all because we get the advantage of hindsight. Because in Christ is your inheritance. My inheritance cannot be lost, cannot be stolen, cannot be sold for another price, cannot be given to another man. It is in Christ. And First Peter says, it is reserved in heaven for us. And it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, and it doesn't fade away. So the possibility of this authority in this room over the inheritance that God the Father gave us in Christ before time began, though we've maybe squandered it, it would appear in our life. It has not been squandered, and it can and will be activated and called forward and, and, and brought into fruition at God's appointed time. And we know this. When God said it was time for Israel to be delivered out of Egypt, it says when it, the time grew, according to the promise he gave Abraham, he sent a man. Well, how did he send that man? Through a womb who was born during a time that there was no longer male children allowed of Hebrews, and set into the Nile, then raised as the Pharaoh's daughter, and then dispersed into the, into the uh, wilderness for 40 years. So 80 years before the promise needed to show up, 
God started the process. So think about that. It's where we are today. Abraham will take 25 years from this moment, or 22 years, 23 years. We don't know exactly, but he will continue to see more, try more, see more, try more, and at the, at the same time, he will learn one thing over this entire journey. God can do what he said. God is able to perform it, and I'm not. And furthermore, God doesn't want me to be the worker. He wants me to be the receiver. By, by I believe you can do this. So <clears throat> here's the secret. He moved his tent. He followed the Lord's word into a practical doing something. I'm going to go live in a new place. I like the old King James. It says he pitched his tent over here. And then he built his altar. One of the things that men will make a difference in life, no matter how old we are or how young we are, is you got to build altars. You pitch a tent, you build an altar. Pitch your house. Your house is temporary. Where you live, how long you live, how nice it is, how bad it is, really doesn't matter. What matters is where's your altar. Altars are built. They're places to which God appears to us and we call upon him. They can be in our home. They can be in a season of life. Altars are repairable. When Abram, in chapter 12, 13, 13, he goes out to Egypt. 12, he goes out to, yeah, somewhere in that. And when he comes back out of Egypt, he goes to the altar where he first called upon the Lord and he calls upon the Lord again. That's the power of an altar. It's a portal. It's a means to a union with God, again, in the place he met you before, and to reestablish the place. So think about our journey again. Altars. Let's revisit our altars. What, when God met you, what did happen when that occurrence happened? You said, yes, he appeared to you. He spoke promise. Let's revisit our altars. So all the same thing, but there's a, there was an exchange, because an altar is where we defer to God his right of rule and submit to follow him wherever he's leading us. And again, we just return to those altars. They're rebuilt. So um, the story you know, and I don't want to belabor it, but say for lack of, because I'd say, I'm going to say 10 years later, he has this encounter with the Lord who says, hey, I am your shield and I'm your seeding great reward. And he's going, yeah, but I don't have a son. And so how is this going to happen? He says, well, come outside and see the stars. That's, that's your family. That's, if you can number them, you can number your family coming. So then he says, well, how do I know this? And he says, well, let's make a covenant. And he sets the covenant up. And he makes a promise, a prophecy of 400 years. And the Bible says in that exchange, chapter 15, that Abram believed in the Lord. And when you believe in the Lord, he takes you for your, his own. You do not have any more the opportunity to produce life apart from him. It's, it's, a, it's, the, best of the, it's, the, it's the best news and the worst news. Because your flesh will no longer produce. Even if you try to produce, it will produce what you wish you had never produced. Ishmael is born, and um, strife is born, and the home and the marriage is almost wrecked, and contentions. And for 13 years, Abram's in that journey. Now he's 99. 
And God shows up. I'm making a covenant with you. Well, I already made a covenant with you. No, God's always enlarging covenant. He's always clarifying covenant. He's always detailing promise. If you follow Abram's life, he didn't really do anything wrong in Genesis 16. Because God said to him, out of your loins, out of your seed, will come a son. He didn't say anything about Sarah. He just put it on Sarah. We're going to have a kid. And she's going, well, thanks a lot. Make me feel really good. Now I've got to come up with a, re a way to make you be a superstar. A lot of men do that. We just put it on our wife. You know, show up and I've got a great plan, but you're in the way. So she had to come up with the sacrifice her maidservant for surrogate parenting. Strife, tension, contention, silence. Thirteen years later, God shows up and says, I'm making a covenant with you. I'm changing your name. I'm circumcising you and all your males. I'm changing the name of your wife, Sarai, to Sarah, because she's going to have a child. At that point, Abraham is going, <laughs> how can... You know, and we know he has the freedom to look at this situation and go, that's crazy. And some of us are about ready to have some of those moments. 99. 99. Sorry, Dan. I hope you don't have to go another nine years. But it's not beyond God. The bigger the promise, the longer the delay. If you have a rabbit, you can get them reproduced, what, about two or three weeks? If you have a whale... It takes three, three years to gestate. The larger the, the promise, the bigger, the longer. And he was to be the father of the nations. He was to be the father of the, of the seed of Jesus, according to the flesh. So this is a journey. So he's making covenant, and now Sarai, this time Abram doesn't ask Sarah, doesn't say anything to Sarah, except, honey, I've, I got a word from God. We're changing our names. And she was okay with that. But to say that you're going to have a baby... That was for God to tell her, and he does make a special trip. So fast forward again, maybe another 13 years. Now he's said, I want you to go to offer your son on a mountain that I show you, Mount Moriah, the place where Jerusalem, with the Temple Mount. And he sees the mount, he takes the son, he says, we're going to go and worship. Isaac is probably 13, 12, 13, because that's just manhood in the, in the Israeli, Jewish, and throughout the world right of accountability, he could carry wood, and his father's got the fire, and he's saying, where's the sacrifice? And he says, the Lord will provide, and he's fully convinced. Abraham is fully convinced. First, he's convinced that God can perform the promise of bringing new life out of a dead womb. Now he's convinced that God will bring life out of a burnt sacrifice. He's not disengaging from the promise. He's not, it's even though the the, the story's changed. He's just saying, well, this is really, this is strange. But you're saying you want me to offer my son as a sacrifice, but he's the heir. And for him to be the heir, to bring stars of multitude, he doesn't even have, he's not even married. So you must going to bring him out of ashes. That's powerful. And it's that level of taking a living, fulfilled promise and putting it on the altar that God says, okay, that, that's it. Because you've done this thing. Because you've done this thing, now I swear by my, uh, I swear an oath to you. And the oath is this, your seed will possess the gates of your enemies. And all of the nations will be blessed through your seed. And Galatians chapter 3 tells us very clearly 
that the seed is Jesus, not the descendants of Israel according to the flesh. It's the seed. The promise was to Abraham and to the seed. And so um, I'll take you to, uh, to Galatians just because the largeness of what God wants to release through us, like Bill, the inheritance that you carry because of your dad and mom and intercession and your yes to God many, many times, conflicts you've been through, the losses, the confusion, the chaos has not diminished the word of the Lord over your life in any way. And the magnitude of the word of God that's over your life. Your father, an evangelist all over the world, pastor in the, in the charismatic Jesus movement. I, I, my first church, you're his namesake. There, none of that. But the one thing that's happened is you no longer can do it. And you're learning, it's not me to do it, it's him to fulfill what he did. And now is the activation for you and for all, any of us here, is that it's time for us to re-agree that God is able to perform what he promised and begin to fellowship him with him in that truth and allow him to start saying, okay, uh, you know, the circumstances have totally changed, but doesn't mean what you said you would do has been taken away. It now is going to find expression here. For some of us, our promise being born, I believe some of it will be like Jesus saying, I have kept something and I'm calling it into fruition and I'm declaring it to be born and I'm seeing it with my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm judging him faithful. And I don't know that in this room that's one of us could say to the Lord, Lord, I now agree with you for the promise you gave me during the Jesus revolution, the Jesus movement to come forth this next move in its fullness throughout California. And God said, that's what I was waiting for. So somebody that would agree with me who has the authority to agree with me because I already made the promise to them and now they're agreeing. You don't know all the dynamics, right? You just, you, you, but, the, but the possibility the possibilities are that we say yes to the Lord and now we re-engage with the Lord, activate, and we step into that journey. The Bible is your inheritance. If it's whatever God says will find its way into Scripture, whatever Scripture then gives you the authority to stay in sanctification. Sanctification gives us the ability to overcome the evil one. And it, it's a process and it's, it's active uh, in Acts chapter 26, and then we're, I'm just, Paul, 20 plus years later, says to King Agrippa, let me tell you about a, how I was saved. And let me tell you what God said to me. And I have never been disobedient. I've always allowed this vision to influence me. He said, I've just, it's matured. I have more clarity. I understand what God was doing when he wrecked me as a terrorist and called me into apostleship. But it took me a while to get into the authority that he called me into, but now I'm in it. And now I'm, I understand what I was called out to do, to bring, to bring, to bring, bring, he said, I, I was called to bring light so that I could turn 
from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God and to bring forgiveness and an inheritance to those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Those are big words, but they're maturing words. They're maturing words. I just think that it was just so right for Mike to say, it's time to pull your kids and, and declare them into their inheritance, wherever they are, wherever they've wandered. It's time to declare, use the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus to see the completion of the promise that God gave us and no longer let the promises kind of just uh, be fallow. But neither try, some of us are too old to make them happen. Some of us, if you were to go to your children and try one more time to call them to faith, they would just be one more hardened heart. Kenneth Hagin used to say, the people that uh, most of the time you need, God uses outsiders to bring your children fully into the kingdom because they know you and you know them. And they, you know, so, but why not? Why not? So let's stand together. There's much to be said, but I, I disbelieve. If you are not reading the Bible, I will not stand before God and say, I, I didn't want to tell them they had to read the Bible because it seemed un-American. Tell anybody what they have to do. No. Read your Bible every day. Pray. Do you know what we said as we, two years ago as inheritance meant? I'm going, to, I'm going to give God an hour a day, five days a week. I will bring a believing heart, and I will bring a speaking mouth. I will come in to give him that time. Then I will come into his spirit and into his word. And there we will be changed. And there we will receive and exchange and receive and exchange. The good news is we may be behind our time, but God is on time. And his purposes are yet to be fulfilled, and I, I believe. So today... Let's close your, close your eyes, open your eyes, lift up your head, however, but see the day you, we were saved, the day you were saved, the day you said yes, you surrendered. If it wasn't the most significant because you were very young and you just continued in your maturing, the day Jesus called you intentionally, and again, the callings like covenant, they get further and further with clarity as time goes on. See it. Be there. It's eternal. That's an eternal event that never will go away. It's an altar. Whoa. And hear what the Lord said to you. And if you can, and you can, recount to him what he said to you. What you said to him. Often what he said to us is what we said to him. My first words after salvation was asked by a youth pastor at People's Church, Bill Severn's dad's church. He said, what do you want to do now? And I said, I want to spend the rest of my life helping people find Jesus. I had no idea what that meant, but I, it's everything it's my life's been about. Even to the fact that all I want to talk about today is Jesus Christ. I don't really even care about churchism. Without Jesus Christ, it's headless. It's an abomination. It's an idolatrous pattern of life. It's culture. So it's so funny that I would say, I want to spend the rest of my life helping people find Jesus Christ. 
because that's part of the, this return, is we've got to return to Jesus Christ. He is the head. He is able. He is the fulfillment of every promise. Every promise is yes in Christ and amen in Christ to the glory of God through us. So, Lord, just receive. What does he say? Follow him into the days ahead that followed. The losses. The consecrations. Those times you were so close, you were burning apart, burning on fire. The, the, the betrayals. The wounding. Confusion. The bad choices that were spoken to you not to do, but you insisted you must do. Follow him as you walked on, always being called something in you, couldn't, wouldn't let go of Jesus Christ, and something in you wouldn't let go of you. And now you're again and again and again. We know who we are. We know who he is. We haven't changed much. He's never changed. Hallelujah. Whoa. Let that, let that sink in. Let that sink in. We will never arrive at the fulfillment of promise based on our performance. We will arrive at the fulfillment of promise based on his ability. Whoa, praise you, Jesus. Think of the woundings, the losses, the confusion. All the gains. You remember all the beautiful gains and hopes we held? Bible, Paul the Apostle, the aged man, one of the last epistles he ever writes, says, that which I counted gain, I have count, uh, counted now loss through Christ. Yet indeed I count all things loss through the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, to whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Anything that is important above Christ will be lost, and some of it violently taken from us. But once it's been removed, it becomes rubbish, and we gain Christ. And founded him, not having our own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And the Apostle Paul then went on to say, the privilege that now has been given, and this privilege is extended to all of us. The privilege is to know him, to be found in him, to know him in his power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering, to be conformed to his death, that if by any means we might attain to the resurrection, arrive at the resurrection from the dead. He went on to let him know, I, not that I have already been, uh, have attained to the, attained or been perfected, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold over me for. Brethren, I do not, count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do I forget the things behind everything I put them out of my mind I will not let them influence my relationship with God and promise and, and pursuit and instead I press toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus the upward call of God just feel, just lift your hands up. Let, him, let the pull of heaven pick us up again. The upward call. There's not one of us in this room. We have, there's so much more for God to, to fulfill through us that he's already completed in his son. We receive it. We receive it. 
And Lord, we are looking for the fresh word from heaven that speaks into all the words of heaven that have spoken to us, the activation word for today. We're not asking for something new or for you to recover something we lost or for you to fix something we broke. We just want to hear you speak. Speak, Lord, that we might follow you today in this next season. Oh, if you just kind of listen, just kind of listen. And this will be a word that will unfold in the next few days and weeks. Just kind of listen. Where would the Lord have me pitch my tent and where am I to build this new altar? Where am I to call upon his name? Where is that place of prayer I'm supposed to go and visit consistently, continually? Where in the Bible am I supposed to be living? Oh, Jesus. Come on. There's a lot of grace for this right now. There's so much grace for this right now. To find that place. The secret place. Now, if you don't know exactly what, that's, what God's saying to you today, then take my advice and read the Bible and the scriptures we're reading and set aside a time of prayer and, and a place of prayer during the day that you've set aside. It's like having an appointment with a business client. Don't miss it. God shows up to where you promised he would, you would meet him even if you don't show up. And treat it like the most serious thing in your life just to be with God in his word and in his spirit and take all the work. Don't take the internet with you. Don't take YouTube with you. Don't take other people's worship with you. Take one hour and struggle through the time it requires to engage in praise, to have a believing heart, to read in scripture, to encounter God in spirit and watch the Lord powerfully come. I bless you. I bless you with this, man. I bless you with this. I bless you with this. There's a, God, eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things that God's prepared for us, who wait for him, who seek him. In Jesus' name.